this is Jim. Welcome to the Holmes Politicast. Uh, I'll be your host today. Um, a lot of news to talk about. Um, one of the first, I mean, there's a lot of news going on, but one thing that I found very interesting here today is that, uh, according to The Hill, a federal judge dismisses Trump's libel lawsuit against CNN. It's by Harper Niedig. Um, and basically, it's just a really quick article. It just says that they dismissed the Trump campaign's libel lawsuit against CNN for a critical opinion piece that was published last year. Judge Michael Brown of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Georgia ruled that President Trump's camp had failed to prove that CNN had demonstrated actual malice toward him, the legal standard required to prove libel against a public figure. Brown, who was appointed to the federal bench by Donald Trump, said the campaign has until the end of the month to file an amended complaint in order to proceed with the lawsuit. Um, so anyway, it comes down to a lawsuit that was filed back in May, in March, I'm sorry, uh, among a flurry of other complaints lodged at the New York Times and the Washington Post. Anyway, basically Trump was suing for slander uh, or libel, actually. Slander is spoken. Libel is something written. And, uh, but anyway, because they falsely claimed that Trump's campaign had assessed the potential risks and benefits of, again, seeking Russia's help in 2020 and, and has decided to leave that option on the table. Um, it's a little ridiculous. But, said it's it's news i mean it's not slander that's what is being reported uh, or not libel you'd have to prove that they maliciously did it um they falsely reported it with malice toward him and that's a very high bar to prove uh any it's why almost no public figures ever win a slander or a libel suit against the media is because you have to be able to prove the intent of the person who wrote it. You have to, it, it requires getting into their mind and being able to prove what they were thinking. Were they purposely trying to malign the person or are they just reporting the facts as they know them? So, I mean, it's, it doesn't surprise me that he lost it and I don't, really know the point of continuing with it now that he's lost the election i don't i don't know if uh there's really any point in continuing to fight it um because it, it it really isn't gonna make any difference um <clears throat> another story that came out in the daily beast is uh that stacy abrams is going to be running for governor again uh, in Georgia. I assume that's in two years. I don't know exactly. It wasn't a race this year, so I would assume it's in 2022. Um, aside from what I personally feel about Stacey Abrams, I don't think this is the smartest uh, uh, decision because here's the thing, the election it, it, it's hard to say, it's hard to claim that a state has turned 
because of one election. There has to be some sort of uh, a pattern. You know, it takes several years. Um, for example, uh, you know, to say you flipped a state, I mean, you can you can win one election. Uh, in this case, we'll assume that everything is above board in Georgia, and if the election is uh, a referendum on the president, it doesn't mean that Georgia is now a democratic state or leans Democrat. They voted Democrat in one race. That can be contributed to any number of factors. It could be who is on the ticket. It could be uh, economic or like pandemic related. These aren't going to be things that necessarily are going to be around for many years. So if it's a particular thing or a person, like a moment in time, then it's hard to then say that the state has flipped. Um, you know, you'd have to watch several races. If, if in December, when they do the runoff races for the Senate, if it turns out that they they both go Democrat, and then in the midterms, which would be the governor's race, it goes Democrat. Well, now you've seen a pattern in several elections, and you can say that it looks as if now uh, Georgia is no longer uh, a Republican stronghold. But to win one race, which would be the presidential race, does not equal that the state has now flipped and that they have they have uh, made it a competitive state in the future. It's very similar. Uh, the argument can be used is very similar to Alabama in uh, 2018 when the Democrat Doug Jones won a Senate seat. And it was the first time that a Democrat had won a, nation, a statewide office, I don't know, in years, decades, I don't know exactly when the last time it was, but it was because he was running against an extremely unpopular man, Roy Moore, who had tons of accusations thrown against him about molestation and child molestation, uh, charges of anti-Semitism, of racism. He was a man who already had been fired or impeached or something. Uh, he was chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court and he was forced out. Um, I think he may have been the attorney general and he was forced out for breaking the law. Um, I know he was forced out of two jobs. I know one of them was the chief justice. I can't remember what the other one was, but he was extremely unpopular and they ran him against uh, Doug Jones, and the Democrat won. Now we see, now in this last election, just a couple of days ago, we saw that Tommy Tuberville, I believe that's his name, um, uh, won. The Republican won by a large margin against him. It was one seat. You couldn't say now that Alabama is a Democratic state because they won one election. They won that election based on who he was running against, and things like that. And there was a lot of money being funneled in because um, it ended up being uh, a special election. 
So actually, I might even be wrong about being 2018, but it, it may have been, but maybe it was later in the year. But the point is, there were no one, there was no one else on the ballot, and so Democrats were able all over the nation to to send tons of money and get tons of media attention to that one race, um, where that isn't going to happen every time. You're not going to have that happen over and over again, because like in this last election cycle, there were 50 states that had elections going on. And so Democrats, when they were donating money, typically raised money for their own candidates, their own states. So, um, so my point is that's not a template to say that, uh, that it's changed the directory uh, or the, you know, of uh, Alabama. And, it's, and, and I say all that to say this about Stacey Abrams running for governor. She seems she's buoyed by the fact that Georgia, um, at least according to all the accounts right now, that Georgia went for Joe Biden and Georgia hasn't gone for a Democrat since I think maybe 1992. Uh, I think it was Bill Clinton's first term and he was from Arkansas, which was very close. And so Clinton did very well in the southern states because he was a good old boy. You know, he was one of them. Uh, but Georgia has been reliably Republican for a long time, but because it quote unquote flipped blue, now she's thinking about running again. I just, like I said, regardless of how I feel about her personally or policies, I just don't think it's a very good idea. She would be much better off to become like to head up the, the DNC or, you know, something like that um, than to try to make another run for governor so soon. Uh, I, I just, I just, I think it's, a, I mean, I, I suppose if you don't like Stacey Abrams, I suppose, yeah, go ahead and let her run again and then lose miserably. And, you know, so I, I, I guess, I guess there's a silver lining, but if I were a Democrat or Stacey a fan of Stacey Abrams, I would encourage her not to run for governor again because I don't think the evidence is there that, that it's a reliable blue state yet. I think it's still Republican state, just you know, for whatever reason, they did not vote for Donald Trump for president. But we'll see, uh, you know. I don't know why, but politicians don't take my advice, I guess, you know. Um, you know, I tell them all the time what they need to do, and over and over again, they decide, no, Jim doesn't know what he's talking about. We're going to do our own thing. Um, the uh, One thing I'm, I'm, I want to bring up, because I am really confused about this, and maybe, maybe some of you guys can help me here. So I'm not... A conspiracy theorist. I don't like to bring up things here that can't be proven, but I do have questions about these COVID cases. There's a lot of questions that I'm having about what's happening in Michigan and in Utah um, and the Dakotas. There's a couple of states where the COVID cases are rising very quickly. And I know in Michigan and in Utah, I know specifically these two states, there is uh, a bit of a, 
uh, hair and fire mentality. They're very concerned with the hospitals that there's not, you know, that there's becoming overrun of the hospitals and there's not enough PPE equipment, not enough nurses uh, to go around. Um, I know in Utah they've already reached that point where the governor has publicly come out and begged other states, you know, to come out and help and send beds and other things because they are literally running out of beds and everything for for these uh, patients. And I know in Michigan we're getting very close to this again, even in cities like Holland. Um, they're extremely understaffed. They put out notices. They're asking volunteers to come and help. They're running out of beds. They're running out of uh, everything to help. And it seems as if there's been a resurgence. I've seen some charts here in Michigan where the numbers are just going up, up, up every month. It's worse than the month before. And if you just watch the news, you're seeing that there are that we're breaking records with COVID cases. And we're talking I'm not talking deaths here, but just of COVID cases, we are breaking records. Um, actually, Texas is another one that I think they just broke a record earlier this week. But we've got more cases than pretty much anywhere else in the country or in the world. And it just seems like it's out of control again. And I am, here's my question. I, if, if people can't be re, if they can't get the sickness a second time, then what is happening here? You know, the majority of people are wearing masks here in the state. I, I can't speak for other states, but here in Michigan, businesses, you can't go into businesses without wearing a mask. They've cut down so many um, companies either have been shut down or, you know, they're social distancing and they've got mask policies. I don't understand what is happening with all these cases. How many more people are being infected? If, if you can't get it again, so anybody who's already had it isn't getting it again. We've already stopped, we've already started social distancing. Um, we have the mask policy. Now, I understand that not everybody follows that policy. You know, they, there are some people who are still getting together without social distancing. There are some people who get together without wearing masks. But that should allow for there to be some some new cases. I mean, I totally understand that. I'm not saying COVID should have been eradicated by now. But, you know, so I can understand there being some new cases because of the people who aren't following these guidelines. But we're having a massive spike in this, in COVID, not just in Michigan, but all over the United States. What is happening? How are all these new cases springing up? How many people have not, you know, it doesn't seem, we had a lot of cases over the past, however it is, nine months or however. How many more people are there in Michigan that have not, you know, been in contact with someone in COVID, with COVID? How are there this many new cases springing up? I just don't, 
I'm failing to understand why we would be at a point again where hospitals would be over overwhelmed because hospitals should have already been overwhelmed months ago. And I, you know, so I don't understand where all of these new cases are coming from and, and why the social distancing and the masks aren't making an impact on, uh, on COVID, why, you know, you know what I mean? Like this is where I'm struggling. I'm not, I'm not trying to pass a conspiracy theory or claim that it's all a hoax. I mean, at this point, I'm not ruling anything out, but I'm just saying that's not what I'm trying to do is make the case that this is all a big joke. It's all a big conspiracy. I'm just legitimately asking what is happening here? How is this happening? We haven't got this under control when we have um, put so many restrictions on everything. It seems like we should be well past. I mean, there's, you know, I can understand there being new cases, but we should be well past the emergency point, the tipping point where people are going to be dying in huge waves because they can't get the PPE in the hospital stays in all these things. I just, I'm not really sure what is happening there. And I keep hearing the media talking about a second and third wave. How are you having more waves of this if, if people are building antibodies because they've received it already, they've gotten it. How are you having a second and third wave? Why wouldn't everybody who's going to get it, get it right away? And now everyone should have had it who had it. How come it just keeps coming in waves? It'll, a bunch of people will get it and then it'll go away for, I mean, not completely go away, but the numbers will go down for a while and then they spike again for a while and then they go down for a while and they spike again. You know, I don't understand the wave mentality. How are we hitting more and more waves of this? It's just, it's really confusing to me what is happening here. Like, I just, I just don't. I don't get it. And maybe there are people who are more educated or more learned on this, or you have your own theories. Uh, I'm interested in hearing them all. So please uh, write us, let us know what you're thinking, because I'm really curious as to what's happening here. It, to me, it just seems very, very strange that we keep having these waves. Um, you know, in a state possibly like South Dakota, where they didn't have many cases back in March. I remember Governor, I think her name is Noam. I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. But the governor of South Dakota um, bragged about how few cases they had when the whole rest of the country was locking down. You know, I remember her saying that they had the least cases in the entire country. They weren't going to lock down. I can understand maybe in that case, because there isn't any um, immunities built up, only a few people had it, it didn't spread all over, that maybe they might have what you might call what might be considered as a second wave, even though it's it's only a first wave for them, but the, the, uh, nationally you might call it a second wave if suddenly now everyone's getting it because they didn't have it before. But in a state like Michigan, we the entire state was under lockdown because there were cases all over the state. 
And now, you know, according to the press, this is the third wave. I don't know when the second wave hit, but um, it's just it's just very confusing to me, and I don't I don't quite understand what is happening here. I don't understand why masks and social distancing haven't been effective. You know, why are we still getting waves? What, you know, um, you know, I just, I, I just don't understand it. I don't, I, I'm just not getting it. And it's, it's really confusing to me what is happening with these COVID cases. And <clears throat> if it is some kind of a conspiracy, so I'm not, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying I've heard many people, even people that I respect and like who have who've suggested that there's some kind of a conspiracy, you know, at least if not anything else with the numbers, conflating people who have like the flu with coronavirus or um, if, if that is true, then what is the big picture here? Because the assumption was before that the coronavirus or COVID crisis was part of a conspiracy to make Donald Trump lose the election. And that after November 3rd, COVID would mysteriously disappear. It would all be over because, you know, once they accomplished getting rid of Trump, then there was no need to keep going with this COVID nonsense. That was the argument that I heard by a lot of people that this was a conspiracy to deny Trump re-election. And I will admit, and not the conspiracy part, but I will admit that uh, Donald Trump's losing was because of COVID. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It, it hurt the economy. It, it, it stunted any momentum that he had. If, if historians look back, they're going to say that the major reason Donald Trump lost it was not because of his tweets, not because of his policies, but just because of COVID. People, you know, in times of economic or, you know, pandemic, any kind of turmoil, it, it's usually very bad for the incumbent. Um, I personally thought he would overcome it um, because I thought that Joe Biden was such a weak candidate, but obviously that wasn't the case. But my, my point is that if this was, if it's being uh, a conspiracy or, or if they're lying about the numbers or, you know, all these kind of things, now that Trump has lost, what would be the end game if it is true that, that they're making up numbers, they're, they're lying about how many cases there are? What's the end game here? What, what are they trying to accomplish by continuing this? You know, that, that's, that's the other question. I mean, you know, anytime you have a mystery, particularly a murder, I used to read a lot of murder mysteries as a kid, and I've always been fascinated with mysteries. And one of the things that they always, that any good detective knows is that you look for motive, means, and opportunity. And they certainly have the means and the opportunity to um, lie about COVID. My question is, what would be their motive if it wasn't just to bring down Donald Trump? What is their motive in all this? And again, I'm not I'm not arguing with people who believe that it's a lie. I'm not I'm not arguing with them saying, prove to me what the motive is. I'm just asking the question. I'm just curious as to what would be the motive 
what are they trying to accomplish? What's the end game if it wasn't just to get rid of Donald Trump? And if it isn't a conspiracy, if this is all totally above board, then how is it continuing the cases? How are they going back and forth? We'll have a spike and then we then we won't, and then we'll have another spike, and then it goes back to much smaller numbers and where it seems like we have it in control, and then there's a third wave, and you know, how are people who allegedly can't get it a second time, how are they, how are so many cases arising? You know, and then what makes it go back where it seems like it's under control and then come back with a vengeance and then goes back to almost being under control and then comes back with another vengeance? How is that happening? It seems like we would have built up immunities by now. And with the masks and the lockdowns and social distancing, it seems like that would have put a huge dent in the amount of uh, COVID cases. And it certainly would have, uh, to use a term that was very popular back in March, it would have flattened the curve so that our hospitals wouldn't be inundated with uh, cases. But yet they are being inundated with cases now. So I, it's just very, very confusing to me because either way you look at it, it doesn't make any sense. If you look at it as being an actual pandemic and nobody's lying about anything, it doesn't make any sense. This virus is not making any sense how it's spreading. And if you think it was a conspiracy to get rid of Donald Trump, you know, and they're just making up numbers and inflating numbers and, and changing death certificates and things, then what's the point now? What are they trying to accomplish? Why are they continuing the hoax? Why don't they why don't they just say, Oh, well, it's dying down now and, and then within a month we we don't hear anything about it anymore? Why are they continuing? What are, what is what are they trying to accomplish? What is the end game? So I, I'm I'm just thoroughly confused. Usually at least one of those arguments makes sense. You can say, Well, this one doesn't make sense, but this one kinda does. This one neither one of them makes sense. It doesn't make sense for them to keep lying about it, and it doesn't make sense how the virus is acting. So I, I'm, I'm just really confused. So maybe, maybe there's something I'm not thinking about. Maybe there's, you know, I'm, I'm not an infectious disease expert. I'm not an expert really on much anything. So I don't, I don't know. I can't see how this works. But yeah, if you have some insight, please respond right on Facebook or, you know, respond on our website. Um, you know, answer answer some of these questions because I'm I'm really curious as to what as to what's uh, going on. Uh, another issue that um, I want to bring up has to do with the election, uh, and you know I know the election was pretty sad for a lot of people. Um, a lot of listeners to this podcast are conservative Republicans. Um, but one thing I want to, you know, remind people, I think it's really important to remind people about this. It's not the most popular argument, but there's, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the recounts and how the election isn't over and, and, and the networks can't call the election and, you know, it's got to be certified and all this. But one of the things that, you need to know is that the White House has they really don't have any um, any leg to stand on legally uh, 
you know, there's there's fraud in every election. There's going to be some cases uh, of fraud, outright fraud, and there's going to be some cases of human error, people who messed things up, uh, you know, filled out the ballot wrong, um, people who, I mean, I don't know, you know, just made a mistake um, in some manner. They weren't being malicious, you know. They, uh, you know, they may have shown up at the polls. They filled out a mail-in ballot and then received no uh, word as to whether that ballot was received. And they went down to the voting booth, voting poll. And because they haven't counted the mail-in ballots yet, they may have been told, well, fill out a provisional ballot and we'll see. And then they filled out the provisional ballot. And then they were both accepted because of human error, you know. Um, they weren't. Nobody was being malicious. No one was trying to vote twice. No one was trying to cheat. It just human error. They ended up filling out two ballots, a provisional ballot in case in case they didn't hadn't received the mail-in ballot. And then for whatever reason, both of them ended up being entered. There's going to be cases of fraud, outright fraud and human error in any election. But there's not going to be enough to throw the election. It's not going to change the uh, results of any of the states. So you're not going to find, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of fraudulent ballots. You, know, you might, to be generous, you might find even a thousand. But Trump didn't win any state, or Biden didn't win any state by a thousand votes. All of them were in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So. It's not going to be enough to change the outcome. These are just battles that we've seen that Donald Trump feels he needs to fight for his supporters. He's not, you know, he's not been one who's going to roll over and just accept it. He's going to fight knowing and he knows that he can't win these battles, but he feels the need to continue to fight. I mean, that's his brand. You fight. If he's going to die, he's going to go down fighting. He's not going to just say, oh, okay, Biden beat me. He's going to say, I will, you know, I'm going to fight to the death. You know, I may lose, but I'm not going to just roll over and accept it. And I know this. It's been confirmed by some media sources, but that's not the only thing I base it on because the media has not always been the most um, honest, I guess I'll just say, when it comes to Donald Trump. But I know it because we're already hearing what Trump is talking about doing. He's kind of a man of divided, of a divided mind. Um, we know that he has talked about opening his own television station in the next year after he's out of office uh, to compete with Fox News. Uh, he's talked about that. He feels betrayed by Fox. And, he, and, and he's wanted to do this for a while. In 2016, when it looked like he was headed for a loss, uh, he had talked about it uh, publicly and with his aides about the idea of opening their own TV station, news station. Um, and we also know that Trump has discussed with many of his aides the idea of running again in four years, which, aside from whether I think that's a good idea or not, shows that he is accepting the fact that he's going to lose. Um, so he's looking toward 
possibly a second run in four years. So we know behind closed doors, he knows that his chances of winning are pretty slim, and he's trying to make plans about what he's going to do in the future. Um, he's made moves to uh, really have control over the Republican Party after he leaves office so that if he wants to run in four years, he can he can make sure that there are no Republicans who can run against him in the primary. Uh, you know, these are things that we know. I mean, it's not just because the press has said them or even the Republicans have been saying it. You know, he's making uh, attempts to control the party through Ronan McDaniel, or, or whatever her name is. Um, I don't know. It's Mitt Romney's relative. Um, uh, I can't remember her last name. But anyway, so we know that he's got plans. We also know that Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, called a staff meeting yesterday uh, in which he discussed with the heads of the departments what they will be able to accomplish in the next 10 weeks before Biden is inaugurated. Like they want to, you know, they want to get more done on the wall before Trump leaves office. They want to try to get finalized China deal. Um, they've talked about bringing some of the troops home. Um, well, that those are not the meetings and the decisions that are made by somebody who thinks that they have a second term coming if they want to work out what they can accomplish in the next 10 weeks before Biden takes office. Um, so it, it, it's obvious that they understand that this is a transition is going to happen. It doesn't mean that they like it, but they understand it's going to happen. A lot of this other stuff is theatrics, um, just because it's on brand for Trump. Fight everything, go down fighting. You know, you don't, you just don't accept it. You lost. Oh, okay, I lost. Let me, you know, we're done then. No, that's not how Trump works. I mean, he counter punches. You know. He's told by the media that he lost the race, and he's going to say, no, I'll tell you when I lost. I'm going to fight and fight and fight, you know, until I can't fight anymore. You know, and then I'll accept it. So, I mean, it. I just think it's important to understand that because there are still some people on my social media who seem convinced that Trump's going to win this, that at the end of the day, um, the media is going to look foolish because they called the election for Trump or for Biden. And it's going to end up that Trump wins. It, it It's not going to happen, folks. It's just not going to happen. Um, it, it, even if it – every case that he's brought toward in court has been thrown out because there's no standing. He, you know, there, there's just not any standing. So in order for it to go to the Supreme Court anyway, he's got to make appeal. So the court has to make a ruling on it. And then he has to appeal that and keep appealing it up to the Supreme Court. Since they won't even hear the cases because they said there's no merit, he can't appeal that to the Supreme Court. He can't appeal it if it, the case is thrown out. But even if it does end up getting near the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court is very reluctant to take cases that involve just an individual state, like state law. They tend to take cases that either – that have national consequences, disputes between states, 
disputes between individuals in different states, things that can't be decided within that state. So if, you know, if Trump tries to take them to court saying that, you know, Pennsylvania law shouldn't allow states or shouldn't allow ballots that, you know, came in after election day or whatever the case is, that can be decided by the state Supreme Court because that is a state law and it doesn't affect any other state except Pennsylvania. So the Supreme Court typically does not hear those cases. They'll say, we won't hear it. If you have a problem with it, that's something the state Supreme Court can make a decision on because it involves state law. It doesn't involve the U.S. Constitution. It doesn't involve anything like that. So I don't think that he would ever go to the Supreme Court. I don't, I don't see it happening. And that's his best bet. And that's what, you know, if, if you were to look at it from that perspective, that's his best bet. But I really don't think that is what Donald Trump is attempting to do. I, I really think he's just, um, you know, just, uh, you know, just, just, just theatrics. It's just theatrics. It's, you know, but, um, anyway, yeah, uh, I do think that one thing though, I do think Trump should be doing the transitional briefings and things. I think so. I mean, you know, even if the election was stolen, which I haven't seen any evidence that it was stolen, um, you know, there are things that are a little suspicious at times, but that's not evidence. Even if that was true, um, you know, sometimes you just got to accept your fate. I mean, you know, in 1960, uh, it's now well known that um, John Kennedy's people, it wasn't John Kennedy himself, but like in Texas and in Chicago, the ballot boxes were stuffed. We know that now. The election was stolen. And Richard Nixon knew it at the time. He found out about it. And there was a question as to whether or not he should contest the election, whether he should fight. Um, Eisenhower also had the same because he had to do the transitional briefings with the president-elect. And they decided that for the good of the country, um, it would be better just to go ahead, even though it was stolen, to just suck it up, you know, wait a few years. And we saw that later Nixon was elected president, you know, but you just, it just throws the country into too much turmoil to keep fighting. Um, we also know that in 2004, there were some, in Ohio, there was a number of election irregularities and George Bush won the state, George W. Bush won the state. And John Kerry was offered the opportunity to um, fight the, or to contest the election. And John Kerry, to his credit, even though I'm not a big fan of John Kerry, but to his credit, he said, no, I'm not going to fight it. You know, um, it's just not good for the nation to have this kind of turmoil. You have to have faith in your electoral process. Even if it's stolen, the people have to believe that their votes count. And that, you know, these things are above board and he chose not to contest it. Sometimes you have to do that. You just, you know, uh, Murray Chotner, who was uh, Richard Nixon's campaign manager in 1960, was asked about the thievery 
in Chicago and Texas, and you just responded, they stole it fair and square. You know, and that's kind of the attitude that you have. I mean, they stole it, but what are you going to do about it? I mean, you're going to take the nation through the turmoil and the, and the idea that the new president is illegitimate and in the eyes of our world, in the eyes of the voters, you know, you want you want the nation to succeed. And it really doesn't if you just spend all of your time tearing down your successor. And so um, I think that's what Trump needs to do. I mean, he needs to start the transition process. They need to start the briefings, um, you know, with whoever Biden chooses as secretary of state. They need to meet with Pompeo. They need to work out the transition, you know. Um, just needs to happen, in my opinion. Uh, you know, there's a lot of disappointment in the race, a lot of disappointment, but at some point you just need to put it behind you and say, on to the next election. Let's let's, let's just uh, let's just put patriotism and put country ahead of party and ahead of feelings. And I would I would you know I'd be saying this either way, you know, the Republican one. And the Democrats felt slighted. And I did say it in 2016. I think it was just ridiculous that the Democrats kept calling foul. They lost, you know, and they, they needed to accept it. But instead, they went off on this Russian conspiracy theory. And now I think the Republicans need to do the same thing and stop. The, you know, it was fraudulent. It was stolen. It's not fair. They need to be better than the Democrats and say, we accept it. The Democrats didn't accept when they lost. We will accept it. So that's my opinion. Um, again, I could be wrong. I mean, hey, you know, let me know if you think I'm wrong. If you think there's something legitimate going on, then you know, maybe we do need to investigate it. I don't know. But all right. Well, anyway, I'll talk to you guys soon. Hope you all have a great week, and I'll see you soon. Bye.